Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Andy, coming to you for episode 211. If you want to listen to this episode, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you do listen on those two platforms, feel free to leave us a nice five-star rating and review. So before I bring in the, the crew here, good news. Juventus actually won a game. So guess what? February's over and they actually decided to get a win. So how about that? But anyways, Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. Yeah, it was a win, but at what cost? And uh, in both for both our blood pressures and also for the midfield. Yes, uh, dislocated toes and shoulders, apparently. So we'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to that shortly. We got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Good evening, guys. Yeah, thankfully we did finally finally win the champions league i mean we won a game the um, <laughs> sorry it felt like it based on those celebrations it felt like it but now i i obviously understand uh, the the players reactions to what has been an extremely frustrating six odd weeks or so five weeks so yeah let's uh let's boogie yes dusan vlavich's celebration alone was uh many weeks of pent-up frustration finally saying be gone yeah frustration at his uh his barber because he sure needed a haircut yes I mean, he sure yes. and he also likes score he also likes scoring against frosanone which some we'll also be talking about that but uh speaking of which shucks i'll throw it right back to you for your takeaway from uh from the week that was besides the takeaway of uh Vlavich needing a haircut or or he just <laughs> quite literally just woke up five minutes before the game started because his hair looked his hair looked like absolute rubbish almost as rubbish as Juventus were oh so you know there's a uh, on topic segue tangent or segue there Uh, but no in all seriousness my main takeaway really from the the you know the madness that was this game uh is that you know obviously our goal for the rest of the season is Champions League qualification Really? Has Max Allegri said anything about that? <laughs> Only about a few, you know, million times. <laughs> Give or take. Uh, even, even when we were obviously in the title race, uh, you know, but let's uh, leave that. What is a title race? I have no idea. Um, but, you know, obviously top four, that is the goal and winning the Coppa Italia, hopefully as well. But I think another goal amongst perhaps additional ones, another important goal is to really figure out what we do about the whole Federico Chiesa situation because it's yeah, it's just not working out anymore. This, you know, his whole sec- second striker experiment at like the very beginning when we started it, you know, it didn't work. And then at the start of the season, it like, you know, worked, worked pretty well. Like, he, you know, he kind of got into it, did pretty all right. And then he got injured on and off. And, you know, again, it just, it just looked like he had a really another frustrating day. And you know, I really just feel for him. He's obviously had these the stop start injuries since that, you know, one big ACL injury he had. That's already a difficult recovery, made more difficult by just this formational, uh, positional, I don't know, no man's land he's kind of in doing his very best to, I think, fit 
or I guess follow the demands of Allegri and you know really adapt to a new position or different position that's that doesn't maximize his abilities. But I don't know, it's just not, you know, just not working. We got to figure out what to do about it. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about switching formations. Yeah. Do we switch formations? Do we do it now? Do we wait till the season is over? Who will be the coach, obviously? I mean, I don't know. It's just so much like, I just don't think we have time to waste on the Chiesa situation because he's going to run out of patience. I mean, he's in what should be kind of going up into his prime of his career. You know, he's obviously ambitious about playing for the Italian national team and, you know, contributing kind of to their recovery as well. So, I, I mean, he doesn't have time to waste. He's not going to, you know, sit here and wait till Allegri slash whichever coach or Juventus in general figures out, you know, what they want to do with him. So, uh, yeah, I just hope we figure out what we want to do uh, about Chiesa, whether it's switching positions or, I mean, God forbid we sell him. I mean, I, you know, that would just be, it would be terrible if we, if and we not, did sell him. Not only sell him, but sell him when his stock is much lower than it was yeah, uh, yeah. even, even last summer. So yeah. Uh, Sam, what you got? I got just in the first half, I just felt like Juventus looked unprepared. Like that, that was my big takeaway from this was that, that, that first 30 minutes or so. And it might, I, I don't know if it was, you know, just a case of, of drilling for something in training that they ended up not seeing because Eusebio Di Francesco threw out a 3-5-2, which he never does. And if that threw them for a loop a little bit, but it, it was, they didn't look like they knew what they were doing for a good chunk of the game after, after Vlaovic scored. And it wasn't until, until the second Vlaovic goal that, they really started to, to kind of feel their. It, it felt like they kind of feel felt their way back in. I think you know. I'm, I said this in my uh, in my recap, in my game recap. I think this was one of the worst coaching games that Max has had in a long time. Between like what you said, Chucks, with the with the problems with Chiesa, which I think that there is an answer to that. Uh, we can get into that later, and also looking like. You know, by the end, just kind of throwing everything on, on, you know, throwing the pasta against the wall and seeing if it stuck. You know, it didn't look like there was much coherence about some of his moves. I didn't think that this was a good game for him at all. And it just looks like, you know, the, the team opened looking like they like they weren't ready. And that that's an indictment against Allegri, especially when you consider the fact that Cristiano Gentoli was asked about a contract extension for him and very pointedly declined to mention any kind of time frame in which that might be discussed. You know, th- th- this question is going to be raging until the end of the season and, and, and it happens one way or the other about Allegri and whether or not he's going to be the coach. But he didn't cover himself in glory today. And, you know, much like you said last week, Danny, about, you know, the press conferences and and you know, just kind of, kind of bullshitting in the press conferences. I felt like that the same thing kind of happened today as well. But this was just this was a bad coaching game. Di Francesco outcoached Allegri for significant portions of this game, which is not something that we thought we would be saying about Eusebio Di Francesco's career in the year of our Lord twenty twenty four. It just it was a bad look all around, and 
we were pretty lucky to get this win. Yeah, I mean, when you're winning in the 95th minute and Daniele Rugani is having to save your ass with a shot from an angle that not many strikers score from, let alone center backs who are off balance while they take said shot. It's, it's not a good look. And I mean, obviously not believe my eyes. No, I mean, I, I had to do when, when I was watching and I mean, as you guys know, I wasn't able to watch this live because well, when it started, I had to really almost put my, my laptop up to my face to see at first that it was really Daniele Rugani scoring. I mean, that was, and and it's unfortunate that Sergio isn't here because we'd be having a field day with this with oh, the, yeah. the winning goal. <laughs> but I mean, just overall, you know, you shouldn't, you know, I, I know earlier in the season, the joke was that Juventus are suddenly a team where only defenders score, but you know, against a, a team like Frosinone, I, I believe it was what 18 to seven, they had been outscored in their last six league games. So, I mean, when you're essentially leaking three goals a game, you shouldn't necessarily be having a 95th minute winner on paper, you know, as, yeah. as your, as your decider, but that, that kind of speaks to the current state that Juventus is in is it, are in it. It's really just, they're kind of just there. And I mean, obviously the, the, the goals from Vlaovic were really good. I mean, Wes McKinney, one of the two midfielders who have something along his body dislocated from the rest of his body, Provided the both both assists on them, so I mean, McKinney had a really good game. Obviously, Vlaovic with a pair of goals, and he technically got the assist on Rugani's goal, which is hilarious. He did. That was because, a good play. But it, yeah, it, it just speaks to where they are right now. And Chucks, I feel like at this point, and I've seen a few other people say this online after the game. It's like at this point, just get the three points, don't screw things up majorly, and finish top four. I mean, are you kind of feeling that way? Because okay. Some other people would be like, well, you know, you never know what Inter are going to... I'm like, until Inter proves yes, otherwise, <laughs> until they prove otherwise, they're just looking like they're going to run through everybody. They sent out the B team today against Lanche and heel hold them. That's yeah. just... I mean, that's... It's, they're a runaway train at this point. And nobody's stopping them. So, yeah, I don't know. what. How do you feel not only about this game, but just like the last few weeks where it's like, okay, finally, hopefully this win serves as a way to start turning a corner. Hopefully. Yeah, in terms of the game, and then I'll uh, take kind of the second part of your question. Yeah, in terms of the game, Sam alluded to it just in terms of the sloppiness slash unpreparedness uh, of the team. Uh, Because indeed, I mean, Flozinone had, let me see, just confirm that two shots on target, which were the goals. I thought they had three. Yeah, they had three. One in the second half. Oh, yeah. Well... According to, I guess, who scored's algorithm or determination, they're saying two, but I mean, uh, technicalities, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, they're saying two. The two 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 in the first half were, let's face it, just either bad defending by an individual or bad defending by the essentially the entire team. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, regardless, you know, they had not many shots. I mean, they had six shots total two of which were goals. So that's, uh, what is that? A 33%, you know, success rate, which is extremely good. Um, so well done. But I mean, I think that just speaks to, you know, what once was Juve's forte, you know, their main strength, which was, yeah, the defense, you know, stuff would not get through um, the back line or even, you know, through to uh, Chesney. And, you know, I mentioned multiple times before our, uh, well, 
demise, our current demise, that, I mean, we were close to on par. Well, actually, let me rephrase that a little bit. I thought we were defensively on par with Inter. And statistically, we're roughly slash almost on par with Inter. I mean, now it's obviously, you know, after the goals we've uh, shipped in the last five, six games, um, that's, you know, obviously a long lost story. So, you know, that just that being our main strength, the building block of of this team to, to see that kind of go to waste and in in such a manner again just from this game just i mean quite literally just two opportunities you know i mean the cambiaso or sorry the cambiaso the the chedira i guess uh, chedira, chedira, chedira goal that header i mean that one kind of summed it up and you you know you talked about this in your post-game observations danny you know it cambiaso had him had him had him and then didn't have him for a split second and then it was goal you know and it was like one, I think he's like the only guy in the box. or like one of two people in the box. There's like four. It was one on five. <laughs> it was like one on five. I it mean. was one on five. <laughs> the thing was that all the all four of the guys that were in front of him were expecting Cambiaso to still be there, which yeah. is why I think none of them reacted and why I can't yeah, every, really. Everybody was ball watching. <laughs> everybody was ball. Everybody was ball watching, but everybody also like, if I'm Rugani, like that ball went, the, 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 the cross went over Rugani's head. And I felt for him there because he's think like he, I, he must be thinking to himself, Cambiaso's got Kidira. He's the only guy in the box. I'm not going to jump and head the ball and and possibly let it go into a crazy direction when he's got it. And clearly, that's what everybody that was there thought. Cambiaso lost him, and and it was a good it was it was a good job by Kidira to hold his run up. And let Cambiaso take those like two or three extra steps that gave him the room. But yeah, that was just a just it, it was a, it was a single break single breakdown that turned into a a unit breakdown. That and then the the second goal, you know, it's hard to blame Rabio there because clearly he wasn't going to be able to run. Yes, I don't know if any of you saw his Instagram lately. Oh my god! Yeah, the, Chuck. I'm going to pull it up for you because you're not an Instagram guy, but. Uh... Nah. Barely on Facebook. <laughs> if, yeah. uh, if, if you want to see something that is, um, and I don't know if you've had dinner yet as we record here. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I'm a, I'm a tough cookie. So. Well, here, here we go. Here is Adrian Rabio's toe that has been dislocated. Oh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's, that's about uh, as close as I've ever heard you come to cursing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> on air anyway. <laughs> uh, I hope Andre is not uh, not cooking anything good tonight because I don't. No, yeah. <laughs> no, gosh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's has <laughs> me speechless. Thankfully, Weston has not shown any X-rays of his shoulder because I'm of sure shoulder, that probably yeah. looks worse. Yeah. But you know, Rabio obviously he wasn't going to be able to chase after Brescianini there, but Kostic was in range to intervene. And just kind of got close to him and stood there. It just felt like, like you said, like just these breakdowns. I'm, I interrupted you doing that, so you can finish. Uh, please finish your point. No, yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, I, I mean, just quickly on the Kostic uh, point. I mean, I, I remember kind of taking a mental note of you know when I saw that goal and thinking, uh, Kostic, I don't know, he was there and but not really there. But in his defense, I mean, I I don't really like. It wasn't really, I feel like it wasn't really his responsibility to be there, you know, because it was all the way, I mean, it was really like kind of a central, because well, it was kind of more of a central right-ish position where that shot was taken. 
And I mean, he's a left, you know, left wing back. So, you know, it, I mean, in this defense, I don't think that was like, he wasn't really like supposed to be there, but yeah, I mean, still, of course that it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, no, I, just in general to, to my point, just to, from the feeling of the game, yeah, just to just be against a team that had, I mean, really effectively two or three good opportunities and score two of them uh, is really just uh, inexplicable. I mean, I, that's not, I don't know. I mean, it really has me kind of speechless um, because it's so uncharacteristic of, you know, how Juventus is, but yet that sums up just our recent form. But yeah, then offensively, you know, at least we could, we created far more chances uh, this game compared to the Udinese loss. I mean, cause that was really, yeah, that was, that was really bad in terms of offensive production. That was just uh, markedly bad, but at least this, this game, we, I thought, Offensively, we're better, created more opportunities, but then we're just very inaccurate. I mean, we had five shots on target, three of which were the goal uh, goals. So, you know, that's that's yeah. So it's improvement, but still just just lacking there. And um, yeah, in terms of the overall feel for the season, or for the remainder of the season, um, I agree. I mean, just figure out a way to get top four, uh, you know, in whatever ugly, unsexy manner possible. <laughs> And again, like I said, figure out the Chiesa situation and then just call it a day and let's let's figure it out for for next season. Um, I think, you know, before before this entire uh, slump in form that we've had, um, I felt more like, OK, obviously we were in a title race, but I felt more like, OK, we can at least play in a more entertaining manner and just play in a way that's like, yeah, kind of fun, kind of fun to watch. So then I would have said, you know, like, okay, let's still try and like, like end the season with a good feeling, like, a, you know, regardless of a title or not, obviously still get top four, but, you know, regardless of a title or not, you know, let's still end the season with like a good feeling with a good style of play and still with a vision towards like, okay, this is what we can continue next season and we can, we can be fun. We can be an entertaining team. Now I'm just like, man. Just, just get top four, man. <laughs> just get top four, figure it out, and then regroup in the summer. Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment for the rest of the season for sure. I mean, we just have to get the points. And the good news is that you know, with Atalanta right now, Atalanta is facing a rough slate. They've got, they've got Inter midweek and then i believe they have a head-to-head against bologna after that and you know with a draw today between them and and milan that puts us in you know that's a uh, a good result against for us for both of those teams but right now you know you just have to just keep your eyes on that gap between us and fifth um i don't even care if we finish below if milan jump us for second place or anything like that it, it doesn't matter. Just keep yourself in the top. And as for this game, it just, I don't quite know where, where it all, you know, it just all went wrong after such a fantastic start. It, there was a period there where I was thinking to myself, you know, did, did Max see white shirts and think that he was playing Real Madrid? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it just, there, there was something about, about this, you know, I, I, like I said, that just didn't sit right with me in terms of the way that the team 
looked after that quick start. And now we're going into the into a much meatier part of the schedule. You know, Napoli, as awful as they're doing right now, uh, I think it's the what the worst campaign by a defending champion since 1963 or something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I think Atalanta's in the mix right after that. I think that's another week. It's another lunchtime kickoff. I think one of these uh, next three games is a lunchtime kickoff. I, I think oh, they good. just confirmed that. Atalanta is not a lunchtime kickoff. Genoa is a lunchtime kickoff. Genoa is the lunchtime kickoff. And okay. that that is before the time change happens in Italy. So luckily for you, you get to sleep in another hour. Oh, that's a 7.30 game. <laughs> worse for, worse oh, for me, right, 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 right. I'm probably yeah. watching it on delay like I did today. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking oh, forward boy. to live tweeting matches, uh, they're not happening no, in the yeah. next few weeks. But yeah, it's I worry right now, frankly, about how this is going to go, about how we're going to play against these bigger teams. You know, I remember... I remember in his first season back when it started becoming clear that Max, as we got to the end of the year, we were looking at, at the goals, goals for goals against statistics. And, and that year, I remember our goals against that first year that Allegri was back was almost identical to what Andrea Pirlo's team did. And the thought was, well, you wanted him to come in here to beef up the defense again. If he's not doing that, what the hell is the point of Max Alec? And with that, the fact that that's starting to come apart, and obviously, you know, our last two games have, you know, we've, we've given up some really dumb goals. We happen to have two of our best defenders out in those games, you know, with Bremer being suspended and with, uh, with Danilo now hurt. But at the same time, you know, we were playing very, very good defense at the beginning of the year with the exact same lineup that we had in the back today with the with the Gatti Bremer Rugani line. So I am a little bit concerned when we start getting up towards these higher octane attacks that we might be in for a real problem. Yeah. I mean the worry about it is that these goals that they've allowed lately, especially over these last four or five weeks, they're all what you would deem preventable. And obviously you can't prevent Adrian Rabio's toe from you know dislocating or anything like that. But you look at them closer and, you know, you look at the first goal that Frosinone scored. And obviously, if Cambiasso had stayed on his man, whether it was bear hug or some other way, then likely the goal isn't scored because a wide open header compared to the opposite of that is uh, is very much something that favors the defense compared to favoring the striker. If they had just done a little bit better in stopping Frosinone's counterattack, that second goal doesn't happen. Look back to last few weeks. They're just like pinpointing individual errors along the way in how these teams have scored against Juventus. And like you say, Sam, as the opposing level of attacking talent will go up these next couple of weeks, whether it's Napoli or Atalanta or hell, even look at Genoa, what they've done against Juventus and other top teams this season. You're going to have to get those mental and physical errors out if you want any chance of getting three points. And I think Daniele Rugani said it pretty well after the game, and he was like, you know, we have to put it behind us, meaning the the last few weeks of, of them struggling in February. And 
Like winning like this means a lot because there are moments that happen and it's hard to risk ruining five great months in 15 days. And you kind of just get the sense that they need to kind of kick that feeling. And I think Vlaovic was saying something as well. It was like, you know, we were basically in this, the title race and now all of a sudden we're not, and we need to recover from it. And I, you, you kind of feel like that shock is still there. And until they kind of fully kick it and not necessarily, you know, hit the reset button, but kind of recalibrate a little bit. It's like, okay, well, until then, the, these kind of performances are going to be probably what's happening more often than not. And at the very least, we have an informed Vlaovic right now. Can they pro- play Frosinone every week just for Vlaovic's sake? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, he has been red hot this year. He's, he's what, back to being the top scorer in Europe? In the uh, he's, calendar year after today? He, yeah, in the calendar year, yeah, he is. It, it is at least good that we have him running and clinical because goodness knows if we didn't right now, where we'd be. And like you said, Danny, those were two good goals too. Those were goals from a confident guy. And I was even more impressed that his second goal came quite literally, I timed this, quite literally 12 seconds after he had actually made a really heavy touch and wasted an opportunity to score off of a, a cushion. Uh, Alcaraz hit a dark pass in there and Giesa just cushioned it down for him. And he took a really heavy touch and took him right into the goalkeeper. And we kept and Gatti kept the play going. And then, you know, Cambiasso slipped it into McKinney. McKinney gave it into got it to him and he hit a really nice curler. So the fact that he, instead of, you know, getting deeply frustrated, like he often does when he had misses, like that and having that emotion affect him affect him negatively he was up 10 seconds later saying all right i got my next bite and i'm gonna take it which i thought was a great thing to see out of him mentally because like i like i said right now he getting the ball to him and having him score is probably the best opportunity that we have to score goals in the next couple of weeks you know unless Alcaraz suddenly really, you know, shows himself to be the second coming of Arturo Vidal over these next few weeks when he's almost certainly going to be starting. Well, would we like to use that as a transition point or would you like to say anything else about that, Chucks? About the 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 win over Frosinone? Uh just on the Vlaovic point, the the mental aspect of it, um, I totally agree. I'd mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago when he just or well no, actually about a month ago, I guess, when he just started his like hot streak and i indeed i I emphasize that just this change in demeanor frankly you know just seeming way less frustrated way less irritated and just you know just less moping around and more actually focusing on you know football and just playing the game whether that be due to a new sports psychologist or just i don't know allegri having a chat with him who knows who knows what what the reason was but definitely a very significant very noticeable change in just general yeah general attitude and general demeanor of Flavich in the last uh yeah two months or so i think maybe he had a hell of a new year's party who knows i don't know <laughs> maybe it's the haircut new year's resolutions <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> all right well sam alluded to it and carlos alcaraz is probably going to be getting a little more playing time. Heck, maybe even Fabio Moretti, who's suddenly nowhere to be found, 
gets a little more playing time as well. And that's because as we've, we've mentioned a few times, uh, Adrian Rabio dislocated his toe, uh, or one of his toes and Weston McKinney dislocated his shoulder late on against Frosinone. And, uh, as we record here, we don't necessarily know how long each of them will be out for or how serious, especially when it comes to McKinney's separated shoulder, how serious it is. Uh, because obviously this seems like something that isn't necessarily new to McKinney uh, over the last few years, but suddenly Juventus, and this will obviously be something we talk about a little bit more in the, in the Napoli preview a few, a few days from now, but just the current state of the midfield, you're already short by two. And now you could be going into Napoli short by another two. And I don't know, but. When it comes to something that we continue to describe as uh, the weakness of this team, being out arguably your best midfielder this season, and then being out a midfielder that Max Allegri uh, absolutely adores on top of the two suspended midfielders seems less than ideal. Yeah, it's not great. It's the insight you come here for. I, I gotta <laughs> yeah, tell you. Yeah, that that that's the that's the deep analysis. <laughs> yeah. That, Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> that that the old lady speaks is known for. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be a problem, and like you said, you know, Fabio Miretti is at the very least going to be the first midfielder off the bench for the next for you know at least the foreseeable future in the next couple of games. It would not surprise me if Allegri uh, shifted Cambiasso inside to man one of those midfield positions. On, honestly, which, that that seems more likely than Moretti coming into the starting lineup at this point. I think you're right. I I don't think Miretti starts unless he comes off the bench and goes hog wild in a game. Yeah. But, of course, that means that means the right flank is going to have to be Tim Weyers, and he hasn't done a very good job this year. So that also weakens you. In, that basically weakens you in two places unless... Uh, Allegri decides that he needs Cambiasso to be on that side, in which case you have Miretti and then Joseph Nonch? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> yeah, you you really are scraping the bottom of the barrel. It, it does... I, I alluded to this last week I, or, or two weeks ago. It reminds me a little bit of that point when it was early in the season uh, many, many years ago when we had so few midfielders available that Simone Padoin ended up playing as a regista for two games. It's a little bit like that. You know, the fact that we got Alcaraz in really is a godsend because otherwise, the other thing that makes me wonder, you know, if there is something that would catalyze a formation change into something like a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2, this might be it. And this is because Max, Max has done this before where he's, He's chosen a setup that gives him at least a little bit more tactical flex. We saw that with, uh, I, I, it happened to Juan Cuadrado a lot, where Cuadrado would end up sitting in order to be able, in, in order to be able to have an attacker to go on later when there was a, a big depth problem. So if you're going to put yourself into a situation where you have a double pivot, this is the time to do it. Because that would give you a little bit more tactical flex. It would let you keep Cambiasso wide and perhaps avoid having Tim Wea just, you know, be the only guy on that side. I just wonder if Allegri has enough trust in Alcaraz to really be able to field him confidently in a double pivot. 
I mean, it's one of very few options. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but it's, you know, it's one of very few options that he has on the table. Chuck, your reaction to me bringing that up doesn't seem very confident either. Yeah. <laughs> well, the formation change or, or the uh, alcohol. Well, the, d- the double, the who would be, who is basically available for the double pivot? Because yeah, I, I get yeah. the fact that going to one less body in the midfield is essentially has to be considered because of just the sheer number of players that you're probably looking at being out next weekend. But at the same time, Alcaraz has only been here a couple of weeks. So I don't, I don't really know if Allegri would be like, all right, well, him and Locatelli go get them. Or maybe he doesn't have a choice only other than doing that. I don't know. Yeah. I I guess there are two arguments kind of like in that, Point you're making. I think one of them is whether he has the confidence to play Alcaraz in a double pivot, and then the other one, kind of a sub point to that, is whether he has the confidence to play Alcaraz for 90 minutes, just period, just in any yeah. type of setup. In terms of the second point, I mean, I think he probably doesn't have a choice right now. I mean, McKenny and Rabi, I, I think it's pretty certain that Rabi will miss, I mean, at least a game or two. You know, I, I mean, I can say that pretty confidently. In terms of McKenny, yeah, dislocated shoulders are a little, I mean, I don't know, sometimes people are just back basically straight away. Yeah, I mean, and, it, it's know. it's definitely the degree in which it was separated more than, right, more than right. anything. So and that one's a little more uncertain. How it affects him running more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that one is a little more uncertain. I would say with enough confidence that the two of them will be out for the Napoli game. So, you know, again, it's like, okay, does he have the confidence to play Alcaraz just in any setup? Or is the, and, and if he does, in what, in the least risky setup, I guess, or just the, given that he's still fresh and new, like knowing Allegri, he would probably want to play him in the least. Uh, I don't know, least surprising <laughs> setup uh, right. possible, which would be either the three five two or I don't know. I mean, the four three three maybe, but and again, I don't know. But do we have the fullbacks for it? I mean, the mighty Alexandro waits. Nah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, four three three is what I would be most comfortable with in this situation. I think that'll be the most best compromise. But again, it's just a fullback situation that yeah, that becomes. Yeah, that's the, that's the part I'm not comfortable with then. So uh, I don't know. It's it's or you just stick with what you know, which is what it, which is the three five two, which would just be um, again Alcaraz, Locatelli, and then either Gambiasso or Miretti, or no, yeah, Gambiasso or Miretti. Yeah, yeah. What do I think Allegri would do? I think really kind of as you guys discussed, it probably will be the Gambiasso, Locatelli, Alcaraz. Yeah, Trident, I guess, if you will. Um, and then with, um, yeah, Kostic and, well, likely Weya, then as fullbacks. I mean, I agree that Weya has request, regressed a little bit as well, but yeah. I hope not, Kostic. I really do. <laughs> what is it going to friggin' take to get this guy out of the starting lineup? <laughs> I smell personal vendetta. <laughs> How many useless performances that have him hauled off after 60 minutes? Are we going to take, is it going to take for Allegri to just say, all right, screw it. We're going to go with, we're, we're going to go with something different here. Yeah, I would say Ealing Jr. and Wea. I mean, hopefully that would be 
hopefully those are the wing backs. But then again, you know, the the midfield trio that I just mentioned. Uh, yeah, hopefully that will be the five-man midfield uh, against Napoli. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is also just kind of to the point of Mianti, it is a little concerning that, yeah, I don't know, this his kind of up and down, up and downness in form just has us even talking about, you know, a wing back playing in his position, which is his natural, you know, Mietti's natural position, a wing back playing instead of you because, I don't know, your form is that bad or you're doing something bad in training or the coach doesn't trust you enough. I don't know what it is, but, I mean, that is a concerning thing to me too, just going back to the whole Chiesa thing. Um, here we have another young player who, you know, was supposed to be kind of the jewel of the academy, now, yeah, with an uncertain future as well, just with an uncertain state right now, um, which is, you know, I don't know, a manager that doesn't really believe in him and, you know, just not a lot of uh, confidence in his uh, his starting place. I'll, I'll say one last thing before we move on. What pains me about the talk about the potential formation change here is that Max 1.0 would probably have done it and probably not have thought twice about it. That's, that's the difference between Max 1.0 and Max 2.0. So Max 1.0, up until Cardiff, was ready to just kind of throw stuff to the wind and get creative and, and see what was going to happen. And he's just gotten more and more conservative ever since Cardiff. I, you know, I've said it before. I think that that game just scared the pants off him. And he's never really been the same coach. You know, I, you know, this is a guy that once managed to almost beat Bayern Munich in their own house with a starting lineup that had Hernanez, Anderson Hernandez and, uh, and, 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 you know, a bunch of other, and I think Stefano Surado started that game. Like, you know, this is a guy that used to be able to take selection crisis teams and come up with something weird and, and you know, do pretty well. And now, uh, you know, now it's, you, you just don't think that you, your automatic thought is that he's going to do the conservative thing. It, it's funny because during the past week, we heard, you know, Allegri testing a four-man backline and tried in an attack in training and all this stuff. And it was like, okay. In the well, public session. In the public sessions. Yeah, exactly. Too, exactly. Like in front of fans. So it was like, okay, well that, and then it's like, well, one of the front three. I forget the exact combination, but one of the front threes had Compiasso in there. So it's like, oh, great. Well, yeah. Okay. I think he truly, much like he truly, I think in his mind, believes that Chiesa is a second strike, is a a striker that he just needs to get there. I think he's, he is looking at Compiasso and seeing an attacking player now. And I just, the logic fails me. Yeah, and I mean, at, at this point, I feel like Cambiasso is obviously a, a more so of a wing back that is better offensively than defensively. But part of his value and his meaning to the team is that he is like that as a wing back, because look no further than what is happening on the opposite wing. I mean, you look at you look at the game today, and I was looking at looking it up right as you guys were, were talking a minute ago. Philip Kostic played for sixty what sixty two minutes. He touched the ball 60 times. He had one key pass. Yeah, his pass success rate was like 95%. But he had an expected assist number of 
0.03. He's doing nothing with the ball. I mean, he, he was like one for five, one for six with his crossing. I mean, it's just, and, and obviously we look at it with, with Chiesa likes to drift out wide to the left. Kostic loves to hug the, the, the line on the left. So you're going to have some clashing there. Whereas you look at Chiesa and Cambiaso combined a whole lot. It's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating where we just look at this team and it's like, yeah, okay. You look at the overall quality of the roster compared to when Max was here, as you mentioned, you know, 1.0 and it's not, it's not there, but it's like, okay, well, just with a couple of, couple of tweaks or just, you know, you're trying stuff out and it's like, you're doing it in an open training session where fans are there and, you know, reporters are there. And then it's like, okay, we're just back to the three, five, two. Or hell, in his press conference, he's like, "No, we always, we always play with a four. No, you don't. No, yeah, that was that was the thing that made me want that made me think when I said when I was talking earlier about him just throwing BS out in the press conference. That's what made me think of that. Like maybe, maybe sometimes, maybe in certain situations, you defend in a back four, but no, it is you have three center backs on the field, especially today. You have three center backs on the field." And it's just like, okay, well, three, five, two, here we go. Chiesa as a striker on and on we go. And we don't have any Twitter questions today. So I guess we'll just play a little okay. bit of a guessing game here. And this is something I was working on before we hit record for the Chiesa thing. I've, I've been working on for a week or two now, but can you guys guess how many goals Chiesa has since his red, red hot start to the season, basically since the middle of September? Leave one, right? It's one, correct? Two. 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 Oh, two. He uh, basically has two goals since at least <laughs> for Juventus. Right. For right. for Italy, right. it's a little different because you know he's played in his best he's position. Played in, <laughs> yeah. The difference the difference between the way he plays for Italy and the way he plays for us is so stark. And I know that that is a lot of the discourse around Chiesa. I mean, I can feel that at least in terms of the people that Twitter tells me to follow, you know. The, the algorithm blesses you with certain things that you look at, which is unfortunately the case these days, but <laughs> the vibe around Chiesa is starting to turn. And it's just like, yeah. I know Twitter is not where, exactly where you go for context, but I have a lot of like, friends in conversations that I have outside of Twitter that are where the attitude is very much the same. Yeah. He's not reliable. He's not consistent. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to move on. I have a lot of friends who are starting to, to arrive at that conclusion. A lot of those friends are also people that are, if they're not max in, they're max neutral. Max on the fence. Which I think says something. It's not even possible. <laughs> because the, you have to think, you have to take into account the coaching when you talk about anything that happens with Chiesa right now. And I, I, I mentioned before, I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, that I, that I think there is one solution to Chiesa right now that doesn't actually involve formation change because there was, there was one thing that changed that relatively at the same time that Chiesa's hot streak ended. And that was it that Andrea Cambiasso wasn't starting on the left anymore. Yeah. Because you said, you just said it, uh, Danny. Kostic will hug that touchline and try to get crosses. Chiesa is just Chiesa naturally gravitates out to that side. And the thing that was so great early on 
was that because Cambiasso is so much more dynamic, so much more unpredictable, he'll he will as as Chuck's the word that you like to use a lot at the beginning of the season, he'll underlap <laughs> with Chiesa and just create more options, create more havoc, pull guys out of out of position for Chiesa to then run into or to make a pass where there isn't a defender there anymore. That is gone. As soon as that went, so did Chiesa's form in the 3-5-2. And that obviously has a chance to push Chiesa more centrally, and then, you know, that's not where he thrives. He thrives yeah, in Max space. Was, Max was screaming at him to, to, to move centrally today. <laughs> there was there were a couple of no there this was like this was been heavily mentioned in the media is that Max was straight up screaming at him at one point in the first half to push into the center and play with and play off Blaovic and like you said that's not the best use of his talents that is not the game that he that is not what you know what makes him at his best if you're a coach and you just keep on insisting on using a guy that is deeply talented but you take him away from the best qualities of himself, you're not going to get the best player. Yep. Federico Chiesa should be talk, being talked about right now. Injury issues aside, which are annoying, I agree. Injury issues aside, Federico Chiesa should be being talked about right now as one of the best players in Serie A. Yep. On talent alone. Yes. But we're getting into this conversation like you said, of you know, is Kia, you know, should we move on from Chiesa? Is Chiesa worth it? In part because he's not being allowed to do the things that he does well. Yeah. And and for that, you can, you know, at least for me, I just I cannot blame him for that. No, I mean I can't put the blame on him. And I guess we can wrap it up here in in a minute, but just you he's he's gonna be 27 yeah. in October. That's not you know he's not the youngster that he want that he was when he first came to Juventus. Now what four years ago? Yeah. So you know he's he's got his own. He's got not only you know the Euros that he's trying to obviously be in good form for this summer, but the next couple of years are really going to be like okay, can Chiesa be a a central figure of not only his whatever club team he's on, and hope obviously we hope that's Juventus, but. Can he be at the center of the Italy squad going into the next World Cup? Because not only do we hope that, but Italy's also got to qualify for the World Cup, which I don't know if you guys know has been the has been a problem the last few tries. <laughs> so I don't. It's yeah. I mean the the Chiesa thing as we as I joked a, a few episodes ago. I mean it can really essentially it's turned into a mini episode here, but it can it can really be you know an hours long discussion because of just how many different dynamics there are playing into it, whether it's whether it's the manager, whether it's the player himself, whether it's the contract, whether it's the club and how they view him going forward. There's so many different things, and I'm hoping to actually put it into written word at some point soon. So with all of that being said, let me catch my breath for a second here. And hopefully we will have return of Twitter questions next week. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys are in a little bit better mood to send some in to us. So if you want to do so, Feel free to send them to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there. Follow the Fans First Sports Network at FansFirstSNFansFirstSports.com for the other podcasts around the network. 
If you do want to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts or Spotify or somewhere else, feel free to do so. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for Producer Couch, this is Dan saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.